Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello and I am your host, as always, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And I come to you after an okay week for the Red Storm. One and one, they lose a heartbreaker to Vermont over the weekend and then come back on Wednesday night with a dominant, although the final margin was only 19, really a dominant win over Columbia, 82-63, to and they sit at 4-1 and on the season. I want to first get into that Vermont game a little bit. I shared some of my thoughts on Twitter about this. I don't think that it's a, it's a bad loss for the Red Storm at all. I think that that's kind of been covered by a majority of the fan base. You know, Vermont is is, is certainly looks like it's going to be a tournament team, uh, received a good amount of votes in the top 25 poll, may even be a team that could be in play for an at-large bid uh, when we get to March. Obviously, that's, you know, four months away, so we'll see. But a team that certainly looks like an NCAA tournament team. They have a guy, Anthony Lamb who is, was an honorable mention, All-American this season. So certainly a team, and, and Lamb ends up being the one that beats the Red Storm, certainly a team that, that is, there's no shame in losing to them at home, especially when I think they ended only about three-point favorites. You know, not a bad loss at all, but I think it's okay to say that St. John should have won that game. <laughs> you know, when you look at the way that that game was played, you can still call it a bad loss after seeing what happened on the court on Saturday. And I think that's kind of where I fall. Felt like St. John just kind of gave that game away. Uh, way too many turnovers on the offensive end. That just led to very easy baskets for Vermont in transition. On the defensive end, just way too too much overcommitting, uh, leading to open three-point shooters. And, and I think that last play against Anthony Lamb, you know, not to overly critical, be uh, overly critical because I think he would have hit that shot regardless. But I, I would have tried to make someone else uh, beat me on Vermont. I would have been completely okay if if one of their other guys hit an open three to win that game, and you got the ball out of Lamb's hands because because frankly, I just didn't think that he was ever going to miss there, and that kind of bothered me that that they let the the best player on Vermont, who had been torching them all night, beat them at the end of that game. That kind of bothered me. So I, I think that it's okay to say that was a bad loss just looking at the context of the game. You know, when you look at the context of the season, that loss to Vermont is not going to be looked at as a bad loss. But I, I think in that game, St. John should have won that game and should be 5-0 and right now going uh, into this big weekend. But at the end of the day, uh, not a terrible loss in the grand scheme of things, especially with how they rebounded on Wednesday night against Columbia, against a team that, you know, bottom of the pack in the Ivy League, another one of these just kind of cupcake schools that you would expect them to just come in and roll over. And they did just that. You know, there was never really a point in this game against Columbia where I felt like St. John's was going to lose, where I felt like it was even going to be a close game. I think it was 11-4, to 4, I want to say, in the first five minutes, and I don't think it got within seven from that point on. It just it never felt like really from the opening tip-off, or especially in the first couple of minutes, like St. John's was going to lose this game to Columbia, as it should. 
You know, and to be frank, that's how these games should be going against Columbia and against Mercer and Central Connecticut. That's how these games should be going. You know, you know, jump on them from the opening tip-off, build a double-digit lead early. They went into halftime against in, the, again, in this game against Columbia with a 22-point lead. I actually got outscored in the second half, but you know, they were they were really not trying to put the uh, the foot on the pedal there in the second half, and ends up being a 19-point win. But a game that they really you know could have slept walked through it and won, but they end up playing hard and they play a full 30 minutes or 40 minutes of basketball which you really like to see and that's something that I wanted to touch on a little bit here as well um, it's a nice rebound for St. John's and you know not to to railroad the Chris Mullen era even more and more and more but the, the one of the biggest issues that I had with the Mullen era besides the, the playing time last year that we saw uh, was you know there was too many times that this team would fall into four five six seven eight game losing streaks long losing streaks. Now, I understand, you know, playing in the Big East where they lost, you know, 11 straight or, you know, doing that is different than playing Columbia at home on a Wednesday night in November. But still, it just it just feels like the culture is different now to where the style that Mike Anderson likes to play with this up-tempo, you know, pressure, defensive pressure, defensive intensity, getting out, running on offense, trying to get baskets in transition, 40 minutes of hell, as he calls it. It just feels like that lends itself to, to you know, like losing streak proof where they where it's going to be tough for them to fall into these ruts as a team just because the way that he coaches them and the way that they play night in and night out for this guy. And I may, I may end up eating these words, you know, two months from now when they're on a five-game losing streak in the Big East. But it just it just feels like the intensity that this team comes out with each and every night. It, it you know playing this way, you feel like they'll almost steal a game every once in a while against a better opponent in the Big East, as opposed to the Mullen era, where it just felt like you know at some points they went into these games with no hope. You know I I think that's one difference that I've noticed so far is every game they've only played five of them, so we'll see how long they can keep this up. Hopefully the whole season, but it feels like every single game the intensity has been there for a full forty minutes. You heard the guys on the broadcast tonight talk about, you know, that game was a was a 30-point game with six minutes to go, and they were full-court pressure. They were doing the exact same thing that they were doing in the first half of that game when it was, you know, a five-point game. So I really, really enjoyed seeing that out of the Red Storm, you know, pressure the entire way through, not letting up at any point, obviously taking your foot off the gas in the offensive end, but on the defensive end, not letting up and just playing intense for a full 40 minutes. I just feel like that's going to carry over, you know, you know, week in and week out, game in and game out for the Red Storm in Big East play, especially when the level of competition steps up considerably and you're not playing Columbia uh, every single night and you're playing, you know, Butler and Creighton and Villanova and Seton Hall and you're playing the big boys of the Big East. So we'll, we'll see about that. Um, getting into the the actual performances tonight, it was it was pretty much you know what you would expect. L.J. Figueroa only finished with nine points. Actually, he only took nine shots as well. Kind of a quiet game for him, but it's good. They still score 82 points, and L.J. only ends up scoring nine. Uh, Mustafa Heron leads the way with 15 points. Good to see him get back on track after playing two really bad games in a row against New Hampshire and against Vermont. Uh, he's going to be, I, I think, you know, not to say he's the X factor for this team, but it, you know him when he's in rhythm on offense. Shot two of three from three-point range tonight. Went five of ten from the field. When he is in rhythm, it just feels like this offense flows so much better. And speaking of flowing on offense, you look at a guy like Rasheem Dunn. Only shot four of 11 from the field tonight, but 14 points, uh, three rebounds, three assists, and three steals. Felt like he was everywhere. 
on the offensive end and him coming off the bench you know and whether or not he he uh, steps in for Nick Rutherford and starts going forward it, it remains to be seen I think he should I said from the start I thought I thought he should have been a starter um, but it, it just feels like you know that that third score which was what St. John's desperately needed those first couple of games where it felt like in the half court offense they were a little bit stagnant or if Heron and Figueroa were off they were a little bit you know slow to get going on the offensive end having a guy like Rasheem Dunn that you know is a consistent jump shooter that can get to the basket with ease is it just opens up this entire offense and I'm, I'm really curious to see what they do with him now against some of these bigger teams and then going into Biggie's play I personally think he should be starting but I, I don't hate bringing him off the bench you know as a spark and still playing you know the, the, the minutes of a starter uh, I think he played 27 minutes against Vermont and I'm not quite sure how many minutes he played on Wednesday night but you know get, giving him the minutes of the starter but making him the sixth man of the team I could see uh, that with Rasheem Dunn and then Julian Champagny, who I finally learned how to pronounce his name, and uh, he puts up 14 points and seven rebounds on six of 13 shooting. Another guy who was just just blown my mind with how good he's played this season. Uh, it just seems like he's everywhere. It seems like he's always in the right spot on the offensive end. My only critique of Champagny, and shout out to the guys at uh, Rumble in the Garden. I think they both actually pointed this out, uh, Norman Rose and David G. Combs, who, who friend of the program, David Combs, who we need to have back on soon. Uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll have David on. But um, he, I think they both pointed out how, how Champagny feels like, and I, I've noticed this a lot with him, he passes up these three-point shots for these long twos. You know, the, the analytics would not love Julian Champagny because I feel like he passes up three-pointers and then his his offensive game is a lot of long twos or mid-range jumpers, which do not really factor in well with the way that today's game is played. But nonetheless, it's working for him. You know, he shot 6-13 of 13 tonight. I think he's still shooting over 50% from the floor and 14-7 uh, and seven for him. Josh Roberts, another, you know, just, just wild game for him. Four points, 11 rebounds, and three blocks. Uh, felt like he was everywhere on the glass. And I, that's something that, again, this, these are obviously poor opponents, but that's something that I feel like it'll carry, uh, you know, game in and game out with him, how active he is on the offensive glass and on the defensive glass as well. And then just one more thought. I had Greg Williams, uh, uh, five points tonight, two of five shooting and hit that one three. With Williams, it it just feels like he's not confident in himself right now. And maybe that is because he didn't, he had, you know, that kind of truncated offseason where he didn't, he wasn't, uh, practicing or playing with the team throughout the offseason and maybe that's why you know still kind of feeling the if the rust or shaking off the rust from that back injury that kept him out it just feels like he's not terribly confident in himself and I, I noticed that a lot in the first half passing up obviously some open three-pointers and then a couple open two-pointers as well where he's just not totally sure of what he wants to do and you know the one three that he hit was when the shot clock was winding down and he just had to put up a shot and it goes in so I feel like you know less thinking from Greg Williams Junior may actually end up being a good thing for him, um, but he is kind of slowly starting to get back into it. And he's another guy that if he can get into it and he can be a consistent, you know, seven, eight points a night for St. John's with a couple of assists. He had two assists tonight, but a couple of assists for them per game. I feel like that could be very, very big for them as well. But now, you know, we look... And we've now gotten through the uh, first five games of the season with really only one of them uh, tells us a lot about this team, the Vermont game, which they lost. And we go to now really the second test of the season for St. John's. It is the uh, Hall of Fame basketball tip-off or the Paul Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off 
at uh, Mohegan Sun this weekend. We're going to preview it with Brendan Myers in a second. Brendan Myers, friend of the program, obviously. He was on a bunch last year. We're going to talk about uh, the, the other teams in this tournament as well as St. John's season. We're going to hear from Brendan for the first time on that as well. Uh, but they will open with, with Arizona State on Saturday. And then depending on what they do, they will get uh, Virginia or they will get Temple on a, on a Sunday, depending on if they win or lose. I'm assuming Virginia will be if they win. And frankly, it's it's you know a massive game for St. John's, not only because you want to see them beat uh, Arizona State, a team that's beaten them two years a row in a row, a team that has knocked them out of the NCAA tournament just a couple of months ago, and a team that also, whose head coach uh, turned down the Red Storm when they when they tried to woo him away from Arizona State in the offseason. So, you know, really three straight wins for Arizona State over St. John's in that series, and you really want to see the Red Storm win that game to get a little bit of revenge on the Sun Devils for some recent uh, misfortune against them. And also, I want to see how this team plays against a top 10 team like Virginia, you know, and, and I, I, I know Arizona state is no slouch. Uh, they, they've, they've, um, they've, they're two and one right now, you know, but I'm curious to see how St. John's plays if they get in a matchup with Virginia against a top 10 team that isn't going to make those mistakes. You know, how many easy turnovers we've seen St. John's force against Mercer and Central Connecticut and uh, tonight again or last night against Columbia. You know, the amount of just easy baskets they've gotten in transition because of forcing turnovers. I don't know if that's going to be there if they play Virginia. So I'm really curious to see how St. John's plays in a game in a, against a team that's going to force them to play a half-court offense for a majority of that game. I'm really curious to see how St. John's does that and how they play in the in the half-court defense as well, where that game probably won't be up and down. You know, Virginia does not play games in the 70s and 80s. That game will probably be in the 50s and the 60s, obviously looking ahead if they get to that game. So I'm really curious to see how St. John's uh, would react against a top 10 opponent. But First, they've got to get through Arizona State, which is no guarantee at all, uh, just judging on recent uh, St. John's versus Arizona State history. But but we'll see on that. Should be a fun weekend, and we should uh, have some reaction to that up early next week as well. But now I want to welcome on Brendan Myers. We've had him on a couple of times last year. He was our first uh, game recap guy last year, I remember. And he's he's come on periodically uh, throughout the year, but he's making his first appearance on the show this year. So we'll get to Brendan Myers, and then I'll be back on the other end to uh, wrap this show up and give some housekeeping for the for the next couple of weeks. But hope you guys enjoy this chat with Brendan Myers. All right, I now am joined by a very special guest, uh, one of our earliest guests last season, and he's back for season number two. He's the co-sports director at WSJU Radio, and he is Brendan Myers. Mr. Myers, thank you for joining us once again. Good to be back. Have I approached a friend of the program status yet? I think you have, yeah, because you I are... That's just what I'm in it for. Yeah, you are one of our of our longest recurring guests. This is at least your fifth or sixth time on, so I, I think you've, you've approached that status. You may be the first one to approach that status. And I'm the king of coming on right after meaningless non-conference victories as well. <laughs> That's true. That's also true. But um, we are going to talk a little bit about those, and we're going to get a little bit into the, uh, the upcoming weekend for St. John's as well. But uh, we actually haven't had you on, I think, the last time that we had you on was the Big East tournament last year, and it's it's safe to say a good amount has changed uh, for St. John's since then. So, I want to yeah, I want to get your reaction to uh, the start of the Mike Anderson era. You know, the off season, obviously, and then and then the start of the season as well. What where are you at with this program right now? Well, I think 
that's pretty much been indicative of how he said it was going to go. I, I'm not going to get the exact quote here. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. But at the opening press conference, he said something along the lines when he was talking about the 40 minutes of hell. That it was going to be, you know, 20 minutes of, of hell and 15 minutes of what the hell. And, you know, it's it's been a little bit of that. You can see that they're definitely picking up on the press and it's working. Teams have definitely got tired. It's worn teams down a little bit. But there's definitely moments when it's a, they look a little bit confused over there. Mm-hmm. And teams are getting open three-pointers and there's just a little bit of breakdowns. But the press is obviously one of the riskiest strategies in basketball. You get one pass into the front court and you're kind of exposed on the back end. Mm-hmm. So it's just about minimizing those those gaps and those openings in the press. But one thing you have to say is the development of the players, especially uh, Marcellus Erlington and Josh Roberts has been great. And I think that was kind of an element that was missing in the previous regime is that player development. Josh Roberts looks like a completely different player this mm-hmm. year. He's more aggressive, more confident. And I think things are trending in the right direction. I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains this year. We've kind of seen it already, especially in that Vermont game. But yeah, I think overall things are trending in the right direction. Absolutely. And you mentioned that that press for a second. I want to touch on that. Uh, I'm someone who fell victim to this early in the season as well. I see a lot of people on Twitter kind of complaining about uh, how many like open three-pointers this team is giving up in their three-point defense. But I think you kind of touched on it there, and I'm kind of coming to this realization as well. Whereas if they're going to play this hectic, you know, helter-skelter defense, uh, you know, pressing in the in the in the backcourt, it lends you yourself to kind of giving up a lot of open threes. So I feel like that's just kind of a necessary byproduct of the style that they play, right? Yeah, and I'm not. A, I don't know a lot about the the specific X's and O's, but I know that each coach probably has their own variants on on how they want to play the press. So you mm-hmm. might think all oh, the press, every everything's the same. So how are these guys that have been playing basketball their whole life? How are they confused by some of the tactics? But I don't know some of the strategy and the positioning and how he wants them to swarm and kind of double and trap. That could be different. And I think those are the kinds of things that they're getting used to and just minimizing getting caught out of position because there's definitely been times this season where they have gotten caught out of position and that's where you see those open threes that you're talking about Mm -hmm. so for the team this season five games in they're four and one uh four wins against you know low conference opponents that aren't going to have any effect uh come march then the loss to vermont uh what has surprised you if anything about this season so far i mean the loss against vermont i guess was a little surprising but but anything else that's maybe come to your mind I don't want to say surprising because mm-hmm. that kind of comes off as a slight towards them, but just the development of Burlington from year one to year two. Because mm-hmm. last year, there were times he just looked like a bull in a china shop. <laughs> and I don't know if that's just because he was forcing the issue and limping minutes to the freshman. But I mean, he's looked, he's shown a lot of finesse this season, looks really good around the rim, a lot of hustle plays. Last night, he took a couple of charges. So just that development from year one to year two for Marcellus Erlington, I think, is is indicative of this Mike Anderson staff and how they can develop players. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rasheem Dunn, 14 points last night, three assists, three steals, shot four of 11. Um, just feels like they're, they're a whole different team with him. Yeah, for sure. Last night in the press conference, Anderson called him a little lightning rod out there. He's tenacious on defense. He gives you spark on offense. And, you know, People are going to ask, oh, should he be in the starting lineup? And they asked him that in the press conference last night. And Anderson, I thought, gave a really smart answer. Because he says, "What is? it's kind of meaningless when you actually think about it. Like the term starter 
Because he's like, I could put them in the starting lineup, but if I pull them 30 seconds later, <laughs> then did I really start them? Mm-hmm. So he's like, what I want you guys to look at is the minutes he's playing. And I think that's where it comes into play. Your last night, 23 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you look at a guy like Mustafa Heron only playing 24. Mm-hmm. LJ only played 22. So he actually played more than LJ. Mm-hmm. So you got to look at those minutes and how they use them. And I actually kind of like Dunn coming off the bench because I don't think this team has a ton of scoring off of the bench mm-hmm. with that second unit. Mm-hmm. So if you get a guy like Dunn as a spark plug off the bench, I think he could be a really good player to give them just a different dynamic than the other players coming off of the bench reserves. Mm-hmm. I've kind of flip-flopped on that with him him starting or him coming off the bench, but the way that Anderson plays, especially last night where it, it almost felt like hockey where he had the starters and then he had like the second line come out with Dunn, Williams, Erlington, and, uh, and Sears. I, I don't know if I feel too confident if he does that uh, going you know through the season with Rutherford running point with with those guys on the offensive end, so I think I'm kind of with you. I think that Dunn might be a good guy to kind of run that second team offense and, and still play twenty something minutes a game. Yeah, for sure. And I think Nick Rutherford, a player like him, is, is important with this with the first unit. We'll say mm-hmm. uh, with with Heron and Figueroa, where the point guards are not going to be taking shots away from them. Rutherford's a guy that moves the ball along and, and is a really good facilitator. And knows how to get everybody involved, and I think it's important for the for the point guard to be able to get his his star player shots. And I'm not saying Dunn wouldn't, because Dunn's actually Dunn's shown that he's a good passer. Mm-hmm. But just when Dunn's still getting acclimated, you don't know what his practice schedule was like when his waiver was still up in the air. Mm-hmm. But just having Rutherford, who had the whole summer with Figueroa and Heron. I just think right now it makes a little more sense for Dunn to be coming off the bench to be that number one scoring option off of the bench. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the the way that they've played so far, like, like we mentioned, you know, this this forty minutes of hell style. I kind I kind of mentioned this in my open, and I want to hear what, what what your take is on it. I feel like this style that Anderson plays, it is so intense. And it, it just requires you to show up and be present in every single game. I feel like that lends itself to avoiding these longer losing streaks that we've seen in the Mullen era and even in the Lavin era. Now, granted, you know, this team is probably a lot more talented than than that uh, first year Mullen team, for example. But I just feel like the way that Anderson plays com- or, or, you know, the style that he plays compared to the way that Mullen and Lavin like to play, which is a little more relaxed. I feel like that, you know, that like I said in my open, I feel like St. John's will almost just steal a game in the Big East and avoid those kind of long losing streaks that we've been seeing with this program over the last couple of years. What do, what do you think about that? All right, so just even on a smaller level than that, I just see that Mike Anderson, or this team has been getting off to faster starts within games and kind of putting an opponent away early last night. I think it was 11 nothing when Columbia first called the timeout. Mm-hmm. So we saw kind of when Chris Mullen was a coach and, and those teams, they would get off to slower starts and just seemed like, not that they weren't ready to go, but they just always kind of eased into the game. And the St. John's team is coming at you 100 miles an hour from the opening whistle. And I think that is a byproduct of Anderson's style. Teams up in your face constantly going 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important sign, especially with the new coach. You know, St. John's projected at the bottom mm-hmm. of the Big East Conference by a lot of different people. So for them to come out... And, and have a strong showing against all these teams that they should be beating is a, is a really strong sign. Mm-hmm. Let's get into now this upcoming weekend for St. John's at Mohegan Sun, the Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off. 
Uh, obviously, you're going to be there for WSJU Radio. Uh, you can listen to, to Brendan and the WSJU team calling that on the TuneIn app. Uh, you know, it, it is a college broadcast, but it's definitely as close to a uh, professional broadcast as you can get for sure as, uh, as Brendan is. Absolutely, man, as, as you are. And um, St. John's going to be taking on Arizona State, who they have not fared very well against recently uh what do you know about them and then obviously getting into virginia as well who st john's could match up with in the second game tell tell give us a little preview of the uh, of the basketball hall of fame tip off well arizona state obviously lost their two best players from a year ago a lot of st john's fans will remember lugan's door and zylan sheetham zylan sheetham is an absolute beast on the boards mm-hmm. so that actually should swing in St. John's favor because this team even with Josh Roberts development not a tremendously big team mm-hmm. so just losing Arizona State's best rebounder uh, will certainly swing in their favor Lugan Store another great score mm-hmm. that they lost but that's not to say that this Arizona State team is, is going to go away quietly they're still averaging up in the 80s mm-hmm. for points per game and Remy Martin is a legitimate score he played a, a little bit of a less role last year because he kind of had to take back seat to Dort mm-hmm. but that, that kid can score. They're averaging 19 now. But the thing with Arizona State right now is they've only played three games. So it's a little bit of a smaller sample size, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Their only loss is to is to Colorado, who's a decent team out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they do share an opponent. Arizona State did play Central Connecticut State, beat them like 90 to 49 or something along mm-hmm. those lines. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how much you can read into that. But the key for St. John's is focusing on Arizona State. You know, there I feel like there will be some storylines just because of the Bobby Hurley yeah. development during the coaching search. But I, I feel like that's a little bit overplayed and, and that it's not really that big of a story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like he reportedly agreed to a contract and then backed out of it. So it's, it's nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. But the key with Arizona State is you have to focus on them because they're a good team. You can't focus on a potential matchup with Virginia, I know defending national champions. But Virginia also themselves is a completely different team than last year. Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, those mm-hmm. guys are all gone. Mm-hmm. Virginia still astute on the defensive end, but right now they're looking for who their number one offensive guy is. So who honestly Troy, who knows, right? With yeah. this Anderson team, they they press I'm not going to say they're going to win because they have to get by a good Arizona State team. Yeah, yeah. When you play that press, and Virginia is definitely a team that's struggling offensively now. Kihei Clark, the, uh, he was a terrific freshman for them last year, the mm-hmm. primary ball handler, but still an underclassman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, you play that press against Virginia, a team that's struggling offensively. Who knows? That's what I'll say. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Uh, it is kind of interesting to, to think of the, the dynamic of the two potential games that they could play if they beat Arizona State in that that game against Arizona State, like you said, will probably be played somewhere in like the high 70s or 80s, whereas the game against Virginia, it feels like every single game that Virginia plays is in like the, the 50s or the 60s. So I, I think that's kind of an interesting dynamic to look at. Uh, and I really want to see this team play Virginia just to see them play basically two completely different opponents in two days. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Anderson game plans for that because is he focused on St. John's playing the way they want to play with the press or is he going to cater the game plan to each specific team? Now, obviously, Virginia is a hypothetical right now. All you yeah. can focus mm-hmm. on is Arizona State. So it'll be interesting to see if Anderson kind of wants to slow Arizona State down or if he just wants to run a gun with them. So there's a lot of things to be to be looking forward to on this game on Saturday. Absolutely. And 
you know, rounding out this weekend now, I, I feel I feel like it's it's going to be a one and one weekend for St. John's. Just if if I had to predict, uh, I think that they'll either beat Arizona State and lose to Virginia, or lose to Arizona State and beat uh, UMass is the other team. I think it's definitely a fair assessment. Right. So you would think it's it's going to be a one and one weekend. Is is that that's probably the expectation, right? Yeah, and if, if they go two and zero, then Anderson statue. There's probably going to be people calling for it already. <laughs> Absolutely. What do you? Uh, last question for me. What, what do you? Uh, what, what's the expectation level for this for this team going forward? I mean, we're five games in now. Uh, maybe the bar has been raised a little bit, but but where do you see this team finishing the rest of the season? I still think they're going to hover around that that seven eight spot. I don't. I really don't see them finishing ninth or tenth in the Big East. To be completely honest with you, mm-hmm. I, I just think. Heron and Figueroa are too talented of a top two mm-hmm. to, to finish ninth or tenth. I think with some of the development of the other guys on the roster. But as far as expectations, I think this fan base, like, there's got to be a, a couple big signature wins in this first year because there is that talent on the team. Mm-hmm. Right? You're looking, you're looking at a Seton Hall. Do you steal one against Villanova at home? Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgetown's a team that's must improve. Providence, a team that, that Chris Mullen constantly struggled with mm-hmm. during his time. So you're just look. You're not necessarily looking for a dominant um, overall performance in the Big East. You certainly want a winning record out of St. John's, mm-hmm. but just mm-hmm. those. You want a couple of big signature wins that I think this team is capable of. And if they strike out against the bigger teams, which we'll we'll call the bigger teams for now. Uh, Nova, Seton Hall, Xavier mm-hmm. is going to be up there, mm-hmm. and I mean I'm really high on the Providence roster. I think they're better than Marquette, to be honest with you. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, um, I know Providence has a couple of or struggled a little bit early, mm-hmm. but I, I just want to see a couple of wins against those those top opponents in the Big East, because then you can say, all right, this is what he's doing this first season with only one off season, mm-hmm. and now next year he's starting to bring in his recruits. Another year in the the Mike Anderson system, which is which is very unique because of the pressing style. Mm-hmm. So you just, I just want to see some of those big signature wins against the big opponents of the Big East. Absolutely, and I, I think it's reasonable to expect that in uh, in year one. I think you laid out a relatively reasonable path for Mike Anderson's uh, first season. But uh, Brendan, we want to thank you for for coming on. Of course, like I said, friend of the program, one of the uh, one of the uh, longest running members of this show so i really appreciate whenever you come on because you do a great job really appreciate you continuing to have me i hope i'm not tanking the show into the ground too much <laughs> absolutely not if anything you're you're raising the bar so we always appreciate that and uh obviously we can check you out on wsju uh this weekend on the tune in radio app that's correct that is correct search wsju and we should come up <laughs> absolutely Barring any technical difficulties <laughs> which is never never passed us absolutely well brendan thank you and uh, and uh, good luck this weekend uh, in calling yeah, maybe games. we'll uh, maybe we'll do a post mohegan sun tournament yeah I think, it's, I think it's actually called the basketball hall of fame tip off classic but mohegan sun rolls off the tongue next yeah exactly i've been calling it mohegan sun for the past like months <laughs> so but yeah i'll definitely i'll hit you up about that and maybe we could do like a post game uh, early next week but uh but uh thank you for coming on man all right, looking forward to it. All right, talk to you soon. All right, big thanks as always to Brendan Myers for coming on there and giving us a little uh, early season retrospective and then some uh, a preview of the upcoming weekend, the Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off 
for St. John's where they will play Arizona State and then either Virginia or UMass. I think I said Temple earlier in the show. It's, it's Virginia or UMass for the Red Storm. I think I had Temple in my mind because they uh, they played that scrimmage against Temple early in the season. But Virginia or uh, UMass, depending on most likely if they win or lose uh, versus Arizona State. But thank you, as always, to Brendan for coming on there. And, uh, yeah, maybe we will have him back on for a back-to-back appearance, which has never uh, before been done. But we might have him on uh, early next week for a little recap of the weekend for St. John's, depending on how they play, win or lose, or uh, most likely split. I think it'll it'll likely be a split for St. John's one way or another. Uh, you know, you're not going to expect them to run the table against Arizona State, who's a quality opponent, and then a top 10 team in Virginia. But you also would not expect them to lose out against Arizona State and then lose to a team that they should beat in, in a UMass. So you would expect it's going to be a one-and-one weekend one way or the other for St. John's, but you never know. They could shock the world and they could uh, win both or they could uh, falter in two straight games and then be a little bit of a rocky start for uh, for Anderson and would kind of put a damper on what's been a very solid early season for Mike Anderson and the Red Storm so far. But uh, yeah, I'm really I'm really interested to see how this team plays in these in these two games, especially if it ends up being Arizona State and Virginia, like uh, Brendan and I just mentioned. You know, it, it's such contrasting styles, and I'm really curious to see how Anderson will be able to game plan for two separate opponents, really, in uh, in two different in two entirely different opponents in two uh, different games in two days, really, as well, with such a quick turnaround between games. So I'm really interested in seeing that. Hopefully, it comes to fruition and they're able to take care of business against Arizona State or if they lose to Arizona State maybe UMass will be able to upset Virginia and then uh, and then we'll get to see them play both teams either way but but we'll see how the weekend goes and uh, it's certainly been a good start for Anderson 4-1 through their first five games now we'll see where the rest of the season where the rest of this uh, weekend goes for the Red Storm but I want to thank everyone for listening to the show and uh, like I said we'll be back early next week with a recap of the Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off at Mohegan Sun. Uh, One more time, you can listen on WSJU Radio on the TuneIn app. Uh, You can listen to Brendan Myers and his team's call of that this weekend. But thank you, everyone, for listening. We will be back early next week. And as always, let's go, Johnnies.